in James chapter number 1. And this week I've had several ideas running through my mind concerning messages. <clears throat> and last night I was really having trouble discerning which direction I should go. So I studied and kind of worked in several different directions last night. And I just couldn't get it to come together. So I went, I, my mind was getting tired, so I went to bed. I set my alarm for a half an hour earlier than I normally get up. What I like to do is I like to get the skeleton, the structure of my message in my mind before I go to bed, and then my mind works on it all night long. It's kind of a strange thing, and it works on it, and when I wake up, pieces of it are much clearer. But 2.30 in the morning, I woke up, and all three messages had morphed into one message with the outline already there, and so I got up and put it all together this morning. So we're in James chapter number 1. We've read a lot of actually what we're going to read this morning. I didn't know that, but a lot of it we've already read. Um, but this will be kind of a springboard for us. James chapter number 1. We'll start reading at verse number 13. Let no man say when he's tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us by the word of truth, that we should be kind of a firstfruits of his creatures." With Kelly's wedding being New Year's Eve, that means that our normal busy Christmas season is going to be much more than normal busy. So most of us are working at getting as much done beforehand as possible. So several times this week I was told, I was instructed to make my Christmas list. Now, you know that I like to go to auctions and garage sales. And you know that when I go, I will normally fill up the entire car with things that I bought. What you may not realize is that I cannot remember really the last time. I almost never buy anything for myself. I buy everything to sell, but I almost never buy anything for myself. And the reason is, I don't need anything or want anything. So when they give you this Christmas list, you've got to make this Christmas list. So this week I found myself, when I had a few spare moments, scanning through Amazon's robotic cat, uh, sections. Probably not one of the sections you've been in, but they sell robotic equipment. So I found myself scanning through that. And as I'm scanning through the thousands of things that Amazon sells, there was none, boy, I really want that, or I really wish I had that. It was, you know, I might possibly use that sometime. And you put it in the list. I think almost all adults kind of know where this is at. It's, there's nothing that you really want that you could put on your list. So you put, well, I guess I could use that potentially if somebody bought it for me. Kids don't have that problem. 
Making a Christmas list for a kid is fairly easy, but they're not very successful at it. If you can remember back when you were a kid, you made the list, but you weren't very successful at it. The advertising people work their magic on you, and the next thing you know, you wanted something that you really actually didn't end up wanting. For instance, you watch the commercials, and they're for action figures like G.I. Joe or Star Wars or something like that. Do you remember those commercials? And they've got this huge battle scene set up. And you were like, that is so cool. So you put, I want Star Wars action figures on your Christmas list. And by the time that you put it on the list, between that and Christmas, in your mind you have all these battles going on, how wonderful this is going to be. Christmas comes, you open up your package, and you get one Star Wars action figure. And you're like, what do I do with one guy? And so all this thing that you had built up in your mind is nothing there because you got one guy, and what, he's supposed to fight himself? And so you've got to wait till next Christmas to get the next action figure. And by then, that's the old school stuff, and you needed something new. And so you've been merchandised. Do I dare ask in this room, how many of you put Chia pets on your, on your Christmas list? Will anybody be so bold as to say, that was me, I put Chia pet on my Christmas list. Chickens. <laughs> how many know what a Chia pet is? Okay, they sold those things heavy, a uh, little, little statue thing that grew hair out of it, these little plants. And you're like, I'm thinking about getting one of those myself. <laughs> <laughs> That would be a seller now. <laughs> the reality is, your Christmas wish list was not very successful. It seemed like a good idea at the time, but it just didn't really work out. But what you'll find in what this passage of Scripture says is, your life wish list is much worse. You put these things in your life that you really think you want you really wish that you had. And often, those things that you put draw you away from the Lord. The things that you want and, ha and want to do, that want to have, they draw you away from the Lord. You get them. And not only do they not satisfy, but very often those things, those lusts that you had, those desires that you had, cause a disaster in your life. You wanted it so bad that you drew away from the Lord to get it and then find this disaster. But the reality is God is a perfect gift giver. That's what the passage tells us. And his gifts do more than they promised. They never get old. They never do us harm. This morning I want to talk about three perfect gifts. Three perfect gifts. Let's pray. Father, we bl bless your name, and we come entirely dependent upon you this morning to do the work. There are a million reasons why nothing should take place in this auditorium. We throw all those aside because we trust you to do your work. So overrule override and cause your perfect will 
to be done in each heart and each life here. We ask this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You have to understand that God is a giver. I know that I say that all of the time, but it's true. I repeat it all the time because it took me a very long time to figure this out. I don't really know how it happened, but in my mind, somehow I got the idea growing up that God was more on the taking side. Now, I would never have said that out, even as a young person. I would have never said, yeah, God's just a mean old taker. But somehow in my mind, it kind of worked out that direction. I felt like God was a taker. Well into my adult life, I was, before I started challenging that thought. And it was really quite a struggle to get it removed from my thinking. Now, even a basic analysis will tell you what kind of trouble that causes in your decision-making process. If at the innermost being where you make your decisions, you believe that God is a taker, that causes difficulty. Because I'm not sure if I give this up, I'm not sure if I do that, I'm not sure how this is all going to turn out, because if God's a taker, he cannot be trusted with the valuable things in your life. But when you realize, not in your mouth, but in the depths where you make your decisions, when you come to grips with the fact that God is a giver, trust becomes much easier. Now don't just blow this off or pass it over. This might be the reason why you're here this morning. Don't blow it off because your mouth always says that God is a giver and you'd never say anything but that. We often fool ourselves into giving lip service to things that we don't actually truly, completely believe. And maybe that's your piece this morning, that you need to ask yourself, dig deep into your heart and ask the question, do I really believe that God is a giver or that he's a taker? My friend, get that settled. God is a giver. He gives so much that it would be literally impossible to try to explain or describe all of his giving. It would be like trying to empty a river with a five-gallon bucket. You can get, for every five gallons of water you get out of the river, 10,000 gallon goes by you. God is so prevalent in his giving that there would be no way to even describe it and to keep up with it. But this morning I want to talk about three main gifts that he has given. Number one, the word of God. The word of God. You have your little booklet there. If you'll turn to Psalm 19. It is like the third page in. If you have your Bible there, you could turn to that too, but we've got it right in front of you. I love this passage of scripture, and I didn't know my brother was putting it in here. Um, but this passage, I, I've been meditating on this quite some time this week, and I've always loved this particular passage. Let's read it again. The law of the Lord is perfect, 
converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. We have just spent the last 45 minutes or so contemplating the scriptures. So we won't spend a ton of time here. But do you have any idea the difference that the Bible has made in your life? Do you have any concept of that? Many of you grew up like I did. You grew up in a family that believed and tried to live the Bible. And you grew up thinking that everybody lived basically that same type of life. You just had the religious version of it. But my friend, it just isn't true. It's simply not possible. It's not true. Life doesn't run the same. Without the Bible, life is a disaster. The world is full of traps and pitfalls and dangers, most of which you avoided because the Bible warned you about them. Those that you did fall into, the Bible showed you the way back out of it. You aren't some genius of a person who successfully managed to make your way through this world on your own. This world is full of a lot, a lot of people who are a lot smarter than you, who are living a disastrous life. Why? Because they were walking through this world in the dark, and you had the light of the Scripture. We want to think that, the world wants to think that they can create a leave-it-to-beaver world without God. An Andy Griffith-type world. It just can't be done. Look at the world. Look at the United States. As we have drifted away from the Lord, as we have moved the, removed the scriptures from our everything, are we looking more or less like Andy Griffith? You look around and you say, this is a wicked, dangerous place I'm living in. Why? Because it cannot be. That's the difference the Bible makes in our life. It keeps us where we ought to be and gives us this Light, it's an amazing gift. Let's just walk through this very quickly. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. It's complete. The Bible is complete. It is everything you need to know. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. It's sure. It's a firm, solid foundation. You don't have to be a genius. The book has all of the wisdom that you need. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. What is a statute? It is a general rule intended to regulate behavior or thought. How many times have you looked back on your life and said, Wow, am I not glad I followed the Lord in that? You look back on your life when you did not follow the general rule intended and you say, what a disaster. Yes. But when you look back and you say, I did what the Bible said, and man, am I glad now. I see the outcome now. Your heart rejoices. The Bible does this for us. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. 
There's a million ways to illustrate the pureness of the scripture. Uh, you guys will have to figure out your own. I'll give it to the guys because most of the guys will understand this. We use a lot of screws around here on the property. And we basically always use square drive screws, if you know what that is. You have regular, you have Phillips, you have square drive. We almost always use square drive screws because they just work better. I cannot begin to tell you how frustrating it is when you are on a project and someone has inadvertently thrown two or three Phillips heads into the box. How many know of what I speak? You are just zipping along, zip, 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 and then it, it's a Phillips head. And from then on, you got to do this every single time because the box is not pure. You've got to sort it out now. You know what? Much of life, you hear these things, you got to think, is that true? Is that not true? Is that true? The Word of God is pure. It's not a chore. You don't have to try to sort through the thing. It's all truth right where you need it. The Word of God is pure. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous all together. It's true and righteous. I don't know if you, were, if you were at Dad's birthday party yesterday. I appreciate you coming. Dad appreciates it. The family appreciates you being there. What I did not appreciate were all the pictures. <laughs> pictures of Dad were fine. But I wanted to take a little post-it note and put it over each one of my faces in there because I was reminded of some things I didn't want to be reminded of. When I was a kid, I had extremely, and I mean extremely, crooked teeth. You know, kids do not always say the nicest things. <laughs> I can still hear them, by the way. That's why you all got to be careful about what you say. I can still hear those words. And when I looked at those pictures on the wall, I heard all those words all over again. How many know what I'm talking about? Kids can be very cruel. You know, what they said was true, but it just wasn't nice to say it. Right? Okay. Now, You can say things that are true, but they're not nice to say. You know, there are also things that would be really nice to say, but they just aren't true. But the Bible always says truth, but it always does it to our benefit. It doesn't ever say things just to hurt us. I love the old song. "'Twas grace that taught my heart to... No." Fear. Grace taught my heart to fear. And then the next line is, grace my fears relieved. What did it do? Told me, you know what? You're not right. You better be worried about that. You're not right. And then it said, no, here's the answer. The Bible is full. It is truth and righteousness. It never tells you something you don't need to know just to hurt you. It tells you the truth, but it tells you in a way that helps you. It's always your benefit. What sweet verses these are. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned. In keeping of them 
there is great reward. You know, you hold in your hand one of the greatest gifts ever given to mankind. And you are privileged to have a copy of it. Your heart ought to be singing with joy at this moment. You have a copy of one of the greatest gifts ever given to mankind. Number two, the Son of God. Number one, the Word of God. Number two, the Son of God. God is a giver, and another of His perfect gifts is His Son. These verses are all so familiar, we don't have to turn to them. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. 1 John 5.11, And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Now put your thinking caps on, as they used to tell you in elementary school. Can you think of a more unexplainable gift than Jesus Christ? Can you think of a more unexplainable gift than him? Can you figure out why God would give his only son to pay the sin debt of worthless nothings who were rebelling against him? If you can get your mind to bring that out, I don't know what's happening in your mind. There's just no answer to that. But let me ask you this. Can you think of anything that you needed more than Jesus Christ? Here you are, a person standing guilty, condemned before God, staring an eternity in the lake of fire for the sin that you had unquestionably committed. No possible way out, no way to avoid it. And then Jesus Christ is given that he might pay your sin debt. He squared your account with God and purchased an eternity in heaven for you. I cannot think of anything that even comes close to that gift. Amen. But do you know that purchasing heaven is not all that Jesus Christ did? In him we also have the pattern for living. Last winter I decided to expand my artistic horizon. When I'm around Sanders' family, I feel like a midget. They're also tall. When I'm around my own kids, I feel like I'm all thumbs. Because have you seen all the art artwork that my kids do? It's like, where did they get that? I feel like a midget in that area. So I decided I'm going to expand my artistic hor horizons. So I ordered, I love castles, and so I ordered some rubber, rubber castle molds. You take plaster of Paris or other things. I actually use floor patch. That's the construction guy in me. Uh, I use floor patch in these things. You pour, you mix it with water into like a paste, and you pour it in this rubber mold. You let it dry, and when you pop it out, it's a piece of a castle. And I've got a bunch of these, and I was using that to, uh, to help develop, because you have to paint the stuff and so forth, to develop some of my artistic, I'm trying to spread that out a little bit. Anyway. The guy who makes these molds also has a video on how to use this stuff to carve your own pieces. So here's my options. 
I can mix this stuff together, just pour it on the table, and what I get is a worthless blob. Okay? I can mix this stuff together and I can start carving it. And you know what I end up with? About what most of you would end up with. <laughs> Something more worthless than the blob. <laughs> or I can pour it into that rubber mold and when that thing comes out, it is an amazingly intricate, valuable, usable piece. Now, here you are in your life. You can just kind of let your life do whatever, which, go whichever way it goes, wants to go, and you end up, what? A worthless blob of a life. Or you can try to fashion yourself to the best of your own ability, and you know what you end up with? Something worse than that blob. Or you can let Jesus Christ, who is your pattern, form you into something that is amazingly, intricately valuable in this world. This is what Jesus Christ came to do. Not only to save you, but to be the pattern to make your life worth something here and count for more than just time breathing on the planet. He is the pattern. And this, my friend, is an extremely valuable gift that has been given, not only for our salvation, but to make our life count. We have this perfect gifts given, the Word of God, the Son of God, and number three, the Spirit of God. In Matthew 7, 11, Christ says, if ye being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Which is an interesting verse, but if you look at the other passage where this is quoted again in, chapter, in Luke chapter number 13, the same thing is quoted only, or the Holy Spirit is quoted as stated as being that gift. Did you know that the Holy Spirit is a perfect and necessary gift? In fact, our need for the Holy Spirit cannot be overstated. Think of a socket set. I know I'm using guys' illustrations today. Uh, ladies, you'll have to ask your husbands. If you don't, everybody know what a socket is? Those round things like that that your husband has in the drawer, there's all different sizes. What's that? Oh, okay, she does. I'm not going to get kicked after church. Things are looking up. <laughs> Those silver round things that your dad had in his garage that you lost half of them up. Okay, each one has a number on that fits, this, that fits a nut or a bolt. <clears throat> that is a socket. Now, <clears throat> think about what is the value of a socket without the ratchet? You know what? It, it takes your mind as a kind of a flip-flop like, wait a second. They are totally, completely worthless without that ratchet. What are you going to do with the thing? Stick it on there? They're almost no use for a socket without the ratchet. Did you know that the first two gifts have almost no value to you without the third? Without the Holy Spirit, the Word of God and the, the Son of God have almost no value in your world. Here's why. Because the Word of God is spiritually discerned. 
You can't understand it on your own. At home, someplace, I have a Dutch songbook. I believe it was my grandfather's. Now let me ask you, what value does that thing have to me? Other than sentimental value, the, va the fact that my grandfather owned it, what does it do for me? It's all written in Dutch. I don't understand Dutch. It has no value for me. Okay? The Word of God is a spiritually discerned book. And anything that you know that's true from the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit taught it to you. That's how you know it. Without the Holy Spirit, it's like reading my Dutch songbook. You could read the words, but to really understand it, you cannot do because it is spiritually discerned. So without the Holy Spirit, the Word of God has no value to you. What about the Son of God? Did you know that everything you know about Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit taught you? You don't actually think that it was your great genius and your great desire that caused you to run to Christ? You don't think that, do you? Without the Holy Spirit, you would still be crying, crucify him, crucify him. We will not have this man rule over us. That's what you'd be saying. But the blessed Holy Spirit began working in your heart, drawing you to Jesus Christ. You would not have understood the plan of salvation, anything that Jesus Christ had done. You would not have come to Christ except for the fact that the Holy Spirit wooed you to him. Yes. It's a perfect, he is a perfect gift and necessary. The first two gifts have no meaning to us without the Spirit of God who teaches us those truths. So we have three perfect gifts. Now, let's quickly cons consider our response to each gift. In 2 Kings, chapter number 22, Judah, half of Israel, has had two terrible kings, Manasseh and Ammon. Terrible kings. Ammon's son, Josiah, is eight years old, which is hard for our North American brains to get our mind to wrap around. The president was only eight years old. You'd say, no, wait a second. What's going on here? But Josiah was eight years old when he took the kingdom, became king. When he was 18 years old, he sent a man named Shapha. Let me get, make sure I got my pronunciation. Yeah, Shaphan, to talk to the high priest, Hilkiah, and said, hey, the temple is a mess. For generations now, this thing has been, it's fallen apart, it's collapsed, it's a mess, there's holes in it. It's a disaster over there. And we, I want, he sent Shaphan over to get that place cleaned up. So Hilkiah, the high priest, starts working with and getting the guys going on this thing, and they start cleaning up the temple. And partway through, Hilkiah comes to Shaphan and says, I found a book. Now, Shaphan at this point does something really extremely radical. He reads it. And when he reads it, he says, this is important. So he takes it to the king, Josiah. And you know what he does with that? He reads it to Josiah, 18 years old. 
And Josiah does something extremely radical. He says, we're in trouble because we have not been obeying this. So let's get things going here. We've got to get forward and start obeying this book. Yes. Radical, isn't it? Where is the word of God, this precious gift in your life? Is your life just so full of junk and trash and things that don't matter that the book has gotten lost? It's in there someplace, but it just doesn't quite... You know what you ought to do? Something radical. You ought to read it. Isn't that radical? And then you know what? You ought to be even more radical than that. You say, you know what? I think I better obey this. We found the book. You have a copy of the most precious gift ever given. And you got it locked in the dump. I think it's high time that God's people did something really radical and said, we have the book. We're going to read it, and then we're going to go obey it. Let's get after this thing. I think it's high time we did something like that. You have been given the gift. Use it. Let me ask you this. What have you done with the second perfect gift? What have you done with Jesus Christ? Have you taken him as your Savior? If not, can I ask why? What is holding you up from taking Jesus Christ as your Savior? You need him. You are not fit for heaven. On your own, you cannot make it. You need to be rescued from your sin. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Will you not take the gift of God as your own? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Will you not take that gift? If you have taken him as your Savior, have you taken him as your pattern? Are you still just letting your life just kind of free, free flow out into a blob? Are you trying to form that life using something in your own brain, trying to please God? Have you taken Jesus Christ as your pattern? That's why he was given, my friend. And what about this third gift? I heard an old preacher ask in the last couple of weeks I heard him ask this question do you believe the Holy Spirit is a person or a power this is a very telling question do you believe the Holy Spirit is a person or a power often the Holy Spirit is portrayed as a power and no doubt he has power but the Holy Spirit is a person If he's just a power, you might try to get that power so you can accomplish your own great ideas. But if he is a person, then he must be surrendered to. The Holy Spirit is not merely some force in your life. He is God of very gods, the third person of the Trinity. And grieving him, putting him off, ignoring him, disobeying him should not be an option. 
He is the third person of the Godhead. And he was given to you as a precious gift. My friend, mark it down. God is a giver. He is constantly pouring gifts into our life for which we should be grateful. This morning I'd like you to question, what is your relationship with these three perfect gifts? Let's pray.